In Australia, every year, around 600 million animals are slaughtered for food. And just to put that number into perspective, that's 1.6 million animals every single day. So clearly there's a, a real need for the RSPCA to be looking at making sure that that is happening in the most humane way possible. Hello and welcome to RSPCA Australia's Humane Food Podcast Series. My name is Brian Daly and today I'm talking with Bitter Jones, who's the Chief Science and Strategy Officer at RSPCA Australia. Welcome to the podcast, Bitter. Thank you, Brian. Now, Australians love their barbecues, their meat pies, their chicken snitties, and even with an increasingly varied cuisine, the diet of the vast majority of Australians includes meat. And today we're broaching a subject we tend to avoid talking about, and that is the end stage of the production of that meat at the abattoir. So, Bitter, I'm going to throw you a word that's not bandied about much around the barbecue or the water cooler, and that's slaughter. So, tell us a bit about that aspect of meat production in Australia. So, we use the word slaughter when we're talking about killing animals specifically for food. Um, and I think it's important to recognise that, that, you know, that is part of animal production. Mm. In Australia, every year, around 600 million animals are slaughtered for food. So clearly there's a, a real need for the RSPCA to be looking at making sure that that is happening in the most humane way possible. It's something that's a integral part of animal production. Absolutely. And... Are there different methods for different species? Yes. So, um, I mean, out of that 600 million animals, um, the the vast majority of those are actually meat chickens. Uh, We slaughter about 550 million meat chickens every year in Australia. it's become the... It's the the dominant meat um, that's consumed. And, of course, you know, a chicken is a fairly small animal compared to, you know, Mm. beef cattle. So when we, you know, we need more of them. But yeah, that's that's just a huge, huge demand. And while you know people uh, will make different choices about their meat eating, while ever those animals are being slaughtered, it's really important that there's there's proper oversight of that and work that can be done to try and make sure that standards are improved, standards are enforced whenever they can. So in in terms of methods, mm. one of the key things to make sure that animals are slaughtered humanely is in the first instance to make sure they're slaughtered close to where they're produced yes. um, because that that transport journey from the farm to the abattoir that's the first stage of, a, of the process then um, animals uh, are either handled if they're small like like poultry or they're loaded off trucks put into what's called a layerage that's the area outside an abattoir where animals are kept before they they go through the slaughter process so it's slightly it's different depending on, on, on the kind of animals that, that we're talking about. Yep. Um, but all of that side of the process, that the handling prior to slaughter, that's just as important yes. to get right as the actual slaughter process itself. Yes, so it's not just the last step, it's, it's how we get there. Yes. It, and, yes. and I guess going back to the production methods of, of the animals in the first yes. place. But. And, and the, the way in which animals are handled prior to slaughter has a huge effect on the quality of the meat. So there's, there's a good incentive there okay. for everybody involved to do that well. Mm. Uh, that doesn't mean it's always done well, of mm. course. We know that you know, in, in, in all types of farming and all types of animal production, there are, there, you know, there are ways that we can do things better. 
Yes, and there has been a few bits of footage pop up recently about uh, things not going right in in abattoirs. How do we ensure that these um, that these standards are maintained? The best way to do that, I think, is to to have good standards in the first place. Yes. So there is a national standard that applies to to all abattoirs in Australia. That's enforced at the state level by food authorities. Okay. Now, their primary role is actually about food hygiene. Uh, so I think there's quite a lot that can be done to improve the level of oversight of animal welfare in abattoirs yep. at that state level. Yes. There's another um, level of oversight that comes if an abattoir is licensed to export meat. Okay. Um, so those are called export, uh, export-approved abattoirs. Mm-hmm. And in those abattoirs, they, they actually come under the federal government yes. and they will have a, an Australian government vet on site at all times who is monitoring the, the health primarily of the, of the livestock going through that abattoir, but they also do have a, a welfare role as well. Okay. On top of that, there are often accreditation systems where there's another level of oversight. So those are things that industries or retailers or um, food service companies might impose so that there's another level of checking. So quite a lot of abattoirs have auditors going through them on a regular basis who are checking against animal welfare standards. So those are all ways that we can try to help ensure that people are doing the right thing. Yes. You said that there's a vet on the export abattoirs but not on the domestic no not at the not if if a abattoir is is killing animals just for the domestic market they're not required to have a vet they will be inspected from time to time by that state food authority yes but that as i said they're really there to look at food hygiene Mm -hmm. um so from the rspca's point of view we we would like we would like cctv cameras in all abattoirs to make sure that, you know, that there is always a, a, an understanding that everything that goes on there is being filmed. Yes. There are many abattoirs that have opted to go down that path as a voluntary measure, mm-hmm. but it isn't compulsory um, in any state or territory in Australia at the moment. Okay. I think there's a lot that can be done too in terms of ensuring that good training and competency in abattoirs. It's a not a job that many people want to do. No. There's a quite a labour shortage in that area. There's quite a turnover of workers. Yes. Not surprising because no. I think a lot of people find it uncomfortable work. But it's really important that everybody who's working in that environment is well-trained, knows what their job is and that there are people monitoring what they do. And there are also programmes to make sure that people don't become too habituated to the fact that they're killing animals every day. I mean, that, that takes a toll on people. I think all of that is really important to make sure that, you know, people don't lose sight of compassion. They understand that, you know, these are sentient animals that, that are going through this process. And it, it is really important. They're handled in the best possible way and that everything that happens to them ensures that they have the most humane death possible. Yes, yes. And that's, especially when there's such a huge demand, as you were saying, for meat in Australia, that we're the ones that are 
asking them to do this job basically absolutely yes yes and 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 again you know that we we do have a big responsibility when you're dealing with those sorts of numbers we really do need to make sure that everybody is is doing the best job that they can now we know that that doesn't always happen and you've talked about um footage that that shows that it doesn't happen mm. i think that is the the exception not the rule, yes. but there are certainly things that, that we can do and that the RSPCA has been working on for some time to try and improve standards. So we're involved in the national standard setting process. We have input into that process. Yes. We don't always get um, exactly what we'd like to because those are always processes of compromise. Yes. But I think, you know, that is one way that we can keep pushing forward. We would like really to see that level of enforcement at the state level, those regulators need to be really well trained and understanding animal welfare concepts. Yes. So there's a lot of lot of work I think that can still be done to improve public confidence in what's happening in abattoirs on a daily basis in Australia. Yes, because we'd all feel a lot better knowing that our animals were treated. Yes. Animals yes. for production for our food was were treated well. That's right. That's right. And and that also includes finding better ways to stun animals. So I haven't talked about that no, yet. No, that's that's what I was going to say. That so we've we've got them to the facility and the transport's been minimised and they're close to the farm. Uh, these are all the desirable um, ways to uh, minimise fear and distress in the animals beforehand and then so how's the last stages then in the yeah in the well a really important part a principle of of animal slaughter in australia is pre-slaughter stunning so yeah. stunning is about making sure that the animal is not conscious when they're actually killed mm-hmm. and there are different methods that are used for different animals um, to do that mm-hmm. um, so with uh, meat chickens for example the most common method in australia is using a, an electrical stun, okay. and that's done with an electric water bath mm-hmm. where the, the chicken is actually lowered, the head goes into the water bath, and it receives an electric shock. There, are, there can be issues with that method if a bird doesn't actually receive that electric shock right. or if the shock isn't sufficient mm-hmm. to be able to keep it unconscious yes. for the slaughter process. So. There's a you know the, there are these high risk areas that we really need to make sure that we're we're, we're achieving um, better results. So there are a couple of other methods that are also available for um, meat chickens. One is uh, called controlled atmosphere stunning, right. and that's using uh, gas. Mm-hmm. So another method that's that isn't in use in Australia yet, but we'd like to see here is called low atmospheric pressure stunning, or LAPS, mm-hmm. and that's basically where Birds are, are kept in their transport container. Uh, they go into a chamber and the pressure is gradually lowered and they gradually lose consciousness. Okay. So some methods are more reliable than others. Some methods are more consistent than others. Some methods are more humane than others. And yes. obviously what we, we would, we're really working to try and encourage the introduction of those, those better stunning methods. And methods that can be applied to large numbers. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, you know, when when there are so many animals being killed, and and just to give put that six hundred million number into perspective, that's one point six million animals every single day. That's 
a lot of work, that a lot of oversight, a lot of times to get this right, because for every single animal, it matters whether you've got that process right. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, those, those numbers are quite staggering and something we do not think about as we chow down in the local takeaway. Yes, yes. And I guess it's, a, it's um, you know, we're often asked in the RSPCA, you know, what are our views about eating meat and the sort of the amount of meat that's consumed in Australia? Look, that really is a personal choice for people. Mm. But our job is about improving animal welfare. And while there are 1.6 million animals being slaughtered in Australia, we really have to make sure that we're spending our efforts trying to make sure that that is done well. Yes so that we can you know, ensure that we've got humane outcomes for those animals. Because you're dealing with the here and now. Absolutely, yes, yes, yes. So you're talking about the, the stunning is a, an essential part of the process. What, what happens if, if they're not stunned? So what we're trying to avoid with stunning is an animal having its throat cut, which yes. is generally how, how the actual killing process is, occurs, while, while it's fully conscious. Mm-hmm. So um, I've talked a little bit about meat chickens, but with other, uh, other animals like larger livestock like sheep and cattle, that's often done with what's called captive bolt stunning, which yes. is basically it's a, it's a percussive blow to the head. Mm-hmm that renders the animal unconscious. Yes. Now, that can be done in a way that is either reversible, which means the animal could recover, or is irreversible. Mm -hmm. The the best way to stun an animal is an irreversible stun. Then there's no danger that they will recover before the the actual process of killing the animal is over. Mm -hmm. So all of that is about making sure that what happens afterwards is completely pain-free. Yes. And that's really crucial. So abattoirs need to have systems in place to make sure that when an animal is stunned, it is effective. They need to have backup systems. So if they see that that stun hasn't been hasn't been effective, then the animal is stunned again. Yes. You know, if equipment breaks down, they've always got to have two sets of equipment so that and 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 um, you know a backup stunner that isn't just isn't you know two steps away is right there. Yes. Because it, time is obviously really important for all of this, particularly if you're working in an abattoir situation where animals are coming through at a set pace, um, there's a conveyor belt type system. It's all really important that those systems work well. And of course, regular auditing is one of the things that makes sure that that happens. And of course, you know, in the case of beef, they're quite large animals as well. So you they are. So there's all sorts of benefits too for the people working in those environments to have an animal stunned before they're actually going through the the, um, the difficult business of mm. of the throat cut or really what, what, what that killing process is, is about severing major blood vessels. So yes. the animal dies because of loss of blood. That's yep. the process. Yep. But you've got to be able to get, you know, a, a, a large animal, you know, 500 kilos into a position where that can be done humanely. Yes. Stunning is a key part of that process. Absolutely. But you want to make sure when when that animal uh, reaches that point that it you are able to uh, consistently apply that captive bolt so that you're, you're going to have a really high rate of effective stunning. Yes. And so uh, are all animals in Australia stunned then? Is that the, the law? So um, that brings us to the difficult topic of religious slaughter because n- not all animals are stunned. A very small proportion of animals are stunned under religious slaughter requirements. So that 
that means that they've been those abattoirs and there's only eight of them in Australia that are allowed to do this. But those animals, those abattoirs, sorry, have an exemption to the pre-slaughter stunning rule that applies everywhere else. Now, there's a lot of confusion around this. So I think it's important to, to sort of explain it in in some detail, but um, there are two main religions that ask for stunning without slaughter. So that's Islam and and Judaism. Mm -hmm. So we've got halal slaughter under Islamic law and we've got kosher slaughter under Jewish law. Halal slaughter, for the most part in Australia, does include stunning. So that's really, that's a big difference between what happens in Australia and lots of overseas countries. And there is a lot of confusion around that. So just because a meat product in Australia or overseas is halal certified, that doesn't mean that the animal wasn't stunned. In fact, most of the time, it means that it was stunned. Yes, okay. So that's a really important distinction to make. So, you know, these eight abattoirs that have exemptions, there's only a small proportion of animals going through those abattoirs that would actually not be stunned. Yes. And so we're talking sheep, cattle and poultry. Those yes. are the, the only animals that, that fit under those exemptions. And, and of course, there's no pork products eaten in No, not either. for either of those religions. religions so, so, yes. It's not there. I, I have seen on, on your Facebook page there's, there's always a lot of questions about this and the confusion, as you mentioned, or I imagine sometimes intentionally inflammatory <laughs> misinformation, uh, but uh, it, it sounds like there's, it's it's something that's being addressed, especially with the halal slaughter in, in Australia. Yes, I mean, I think it's really important people understand this and not jump to conclusions around it. And, and certainly if they want some more detailed information, then go to the RSPCA knowledge base because we have specific articles around halal slaughter and, and kosher slaughter. I've said that it's only a small number of animals in Australia. Mm-hmm. We as the RSPCA still would prefer that didn't happen. We, we think that the most humane way to slaughter animals requires pre-slaughter stunning. Yes. And we would like to see that a- apply in all abattoirs. So, you know, that's that's our view. Mm-hmm. I think the, the religious arguments around this are, are complicated and there are yes. certainly religious communities who, you know, they... This is, this is their tradition and has been for a long time. And we talk to those groups, you know, we maintain a dialogue over this topic, yes. but it is something that we, we would prefer didn't happen. Yes. So I guess the issue when we talk about these religious exemptions is not so much about, uh, from a religious point of view, it's about the stunning or non-stunning of the animals. Yes, that's right. We actually have for a number of years been encouraging our supporters to write to their state and territory MPs about removing exemptions to stunning in Australian abattoirs. So that's something that that people can do if if they're concerned about this. But no, it's not about it's not about particular religion. It's about whether animals are stunned. And I just again, I think it's important to emphasize that when it comes to halal slaughter in Australia, the vast majority of animals that are slaughtered under halal requirements are stunned. In fact, there's no real difference to the process involved um, for that as there is for, for any other kind of slaughter. Yeah, it's really interesting talking about this because culturally we we don't really deal with death head on. We tend to put it to the side and the majority of us are quite removed from food production as well. So to put it bluntly, most of us are happy to eat meat, but we don't want to kill it or know the, the details behind there. But 
I think that's it's important for us to know what goes on and, and how the RSPCA is making sure that that's done in the most humane way possible. These animals are being slaughtered for our consumption. Yes. No, it, look, it is, it is difficult. And, you know, I mean, the first time I went to an abattoir, I was quite nervous about the whole process and, and how I would feel about that. But I think it, it is really important to, to understand the process that happens while animals are still conscious and then what happens afterwards when they are not suffering because they, they're unable to feel pain after this stunning process. Yes. So we've talked a little bit about the process that happens before an animal gets to the point of being stunned, Mm -hmm. but let's talk about what happens after that. So if the stun is effective, then the animal is is completely unconscious. If it's a reversible stun, then the stun only lasts for a certain amount of time. So obviously it's really important that the killing process occurs before they recover from that stun. So that might be a matter of seconds to to minutes. Mm An irreversible stun is when the stunning process actually kills the animal so that they will not recover. Mm-hmm. But the, the actual killing process must involve the animal being bled out. So that's a, a process of cutting the throat or severing the major arteries mm-hmm. so that the animal loses blood and uh, the brain dies, the heart stops and the animal is dead. So that all happens uh, in that period after stunning yes. while the animal is has no ability to feel pain and that's really crucial. And there's a lot of research around um, actually looking at things like brain activity in that time mm-hmm. so that we're able to monitor, you know, the effectiveness of stunning. We mm-hmm. know what electrical currents um, are required for different sizes of animals, all of that. that that's all really important work that helps us make sure that that process is actually on an unconscious animal. Yeah. And that's also part of the, the checking process that happens so that there are um, there are checks that the workers can do to make sure an animal is unconscious. So, I mean, a really obvious one is a corneal reflex. So you just touch the cornea of the eye. If there's no response to that, then you know that the animal's insensible, can't yeah. feel any pain. So it's, it's a really a crucial timing issue there for especially for the reversible stunning absolutely yes yes and again i mean these things are you know it's always hard to talk about them and you sort of have to talk about it in in a dispassionate way that that doesn't mean that you know obviously it's really really important that that process happens properly because that's all about making sure that that animal doesn't suffer during the process and as you were saying before even for the workers involved in this sort of industry it it would be really hard going if if something goes wrong they they see the pain see suffering so they don't want to see any of that it must help them uh, if the process is done well that's right that's right and it of course that's another reason why it's really important that they're well trained and competent in in what they do we we are so far removed from as a society that i remember hearing one guy that was like 25 or something like that and he was quite an educated fellow and He's in Sydney and he said, I've only just realised that the chicken I eat is the same as the chicken, the animal that I see in the fields. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this, this so far removed from that. that and I've, I've heard the same from people with, with eggs as well to say, oh, I hadn't thought of where they produced. I, I just thought I got them from the yes. carton. 
These were and, otherwise uh, quite intelligent people. It's and it is really, I mean, that's obviously, you know, if you go into a supermarket and buy your food and packaging, then it, you can see how that happens. But I guess that is also part of the RSPCA's job is to help educate people and inform people about where our food comes from and to provide the information that helps people make more ethical choices about that food. So, you know, that's what our Humane Food Programme is all about. Thanks, Peter. It's It's been fascinating to talk about this topic, the one that we want to avoid so much. But to me, we, we care deeply for animals that give us companionship, but we tend not to think too much about the animals that give us even more, which is, you know, the very food we have to survive. So uh, to me, it's to ensure we care for them at least as That's well right. as that, and yes. to have a, you know that basic respect for these sentient beings, to know that they're being treated humanely is a very reassuring thing. So thanks for your time today. Thank you. And thank you for listening. If you would like any more information about today's topic, uh, visit the RSPCA Australia website at rspca.org.au. Uh, you can also subscribe to the podcast series at the website or all the usual podcast suspects. I'm Brian Daly and I look forward to your company next time on the RSPCA Australia Humane Food Podcast. Podcast.